Hello, everybody, and welcome to G-Wiz, your family-friendly podcast where we discuss D&D Onslaught, Dice Masters, Hero Clicks, and the other entertaining games made by WizKids. I'm WizDad, and I'm that figure you thought you owned, but forgot you sold it two years ago at a convention. It's a real bummer that you need me now that I'm popular and expensive. I will be your guide for navigating the competitive and casual scenes of the WizKids Triforce of Gaming. It's Mashup Monday, gonna be again a Heroclix-centric episode as I go over my experience at the Rock Silver Age Regional that happened this past weekend in Chattanooga. But before we dive into that, let's look at the WizKids Progress Report. Kowalski, progress report. So in the WizKids Progress Report, uh, not a lot to report on. It's still February. Uh, we still don't know about the D&D Classic Collections, Monsters K through N. The solicits really have not updated much uh, since Friday, if at all. I will say, don't forget, this Wednesday is when the new Star Trek Attack Wing comes out. The Federation packs, Independent Faction packs. Um, I still haven't looked to see if these are reprints. I don't think they are. But, uh, you know, I, I'm still amazed by the fact that Star Trek Attack Wing is still here so um kudos to that you know now i'm gonna get out here and look to see uh if these are reprints let's see it was oh which ones do we have the adversaries of the quadrant delta 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 quadrant excuse me and then these are the voyages that's right these are the voyages are these reprints celebrate oh here let me read this from the whisked site Celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Star Trek Attack Wing. Ah, that's nice. With these, with the these are the Voyages faction pack. As the players can warp into their games at, with new and updated versions of each version of the U.S. Enterprise from the game's history. Take command of five special golden display versions of five different Federation ships: an NX class, a Constitution class, an Excelsior class, a Galaxy class, and a Sovereign class. With each of the famous crews and captains of the Enterprise, new actions, new cards, and a unique multiplayer mission await, along with many more surprises. And, ooh, my goodness, it has a lot, a lot of cards in here. It is a, uh, a big game. It says it uses the co core rule set of the Flight Path game system with a Star Trek twist, but it's not compatible with other Flight Path games of FFG. That is interesting i've never played star trek attack wing i like star trek okay i guess um i did not realize that it was the 10th anniversary so that is that probably explains why it's they're coming out with this to be honest uh let me see about the other pre-order ones uh let's see delta quadrant i believe track attack wing it's very uh very non-podcasty of me to do this but let's see here we go um explore the unknown delta quadrant with the newest federation pack in star trek attack wing add brand new versions of the intrepid class nova class airy class and the delta delta flyer class to your fleet captained by Catherine janeway rudolph ransom magnus hansen and tom paris add the crews of the uss voyager and the uss equinox to your ships as you try to find your way through the Delta Quadrant campaign. Equip new weapons and tech such as the gravimetric torpedoes and temporal shielding to assure victory. 70,000 light years seems a lot closer with a little luck, some coffee, and help from Neelix. 
that's cool. You know, if anybody, if I ever found time and someone was willing to show me a game of Star Wars Attack Wing, I would actually be game to play. I'd be game to try it one time. Um, I, it It's interesting enough. Um, I kind of wish D&D Attack Wing didn't go away because I would... I would actually definitely like to play, like to try D and D Attack Wing, but I know that I know that game is definitely dead, right? But besides that, um, speaking of D and D, we do have the D and D Icons of the Realms of different battle mats coming out: Desert Battle Mat, Sky Battle Mat, and the Bluffs Battle Mat. They all come out on the twenty eighth. Same with the DC HeroClix Gotham Villains monthly OP kit that is next Wednesday. And then as far as March goes. Uh, still no change as far as what we know is coming out. Uh, we don't have set dates yet. We do have, I feel like we have more pictures out here though, which is neat. But uh, Colossal Kong and Cell Swords 2 is the only things we know of coming out on March 6th. I'm still hopeful next phase comes out around then also. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was, uh, you know, WizKids has been... You know, the WizKids did do the in HeroClix, like, intern program, but they did just recently announce, over the weekend, uh, Ryan Opalk has recently joined the WizKids team. Um, and it says here, Greetings, Clicks community. My name is Ryan Opalk, and I recently joined the WizKids team with the sole goal of ramping up our organized play and events marketing efforts. I have 11 years of experience working as a contractor for Gen Con's marketing department, but I also bring two decades of experience as a competitive gamer, mostly TCGs, to the table as well. I can't overstate how excited I am to get to know this community and help grow and develop programs all over the country and, and the world. If you're attending conventions this year, including the upcoming Adepticon event, please stop by the tournament area and say hello, so I know I will definitely, definitely will be uh, stopping by and saying hi to Ryan introducing myself there's also an op events interest events interest form that uh they want retailers or tournament organizers to put out there so if you do tournaments for your local store check it out it is on the whiz kids hero clicks page on facebook so very excited about that um it's gonna be pretty interesting so I think that's it for the progress report. Let's hop over to the Fishing with Wizdag and I'll cover everything that happened this weekend with Silver Age. It's gonna be a pretty exciting story. Get your gear, little man. We're going fishing. And I mean now. All right, so this weekend was, I don't know if it's the first rock regional of the year, but I think it's close to it. But it was the first, I believe, let's say it is, the first Rock Silver Age Regional of the year in Chattanooga, Tennessee. There were 26 players, which I think is fantastic for a place that really hasn't ever hosted major tournaments before in Chattanooga. It shows how far people are willing to travel, but it also shows that I think Chattanooga is actually a pretty decent spot because it's in between Nashville and Atlanta and Huntsville. It's like an hour and a half to two hour drive and Knoxville from all those places and um, there's communities there we got people from Nashville Huntsville some Mississippi Gulf Coast guys Atlanta like we there was a good showing um, at this tournament and I, I was thrilled I was hoping it would be pretty competitive 
So Silver Age, once again, has switched to 400 points with a 200 modern point limit. You can only have 200 points of modern on your team, and then the other 200 points, or however much has to, can be silver. But the whole 400 could be silver if you really, really wanted it to. There's a ban list, which takes away, or ban slash bench list, which takes away some of the bigger pieces like Carnage Silver Surfer, Scarlet Witch, Sarkarian Iron Man, those type of pieces, and kind of sits them on the bench. And also some of the trouble pieces that activate things like Dark Phoenix, stuff like that. Um, if you want, listen to some of my past Silver Age episodes, and you can hear more about the the format in general. So I went in with the Ultron build. That's what I played with. The Ultron build, real quick, was ruler theme team. It had Legacy Ultron, who had the Daimonic Ring, which allows you to see through uh, hindering. And the Remaker Ring, which gives poison and shape change. I played Ultron Pym, the Prime. He had a motorcycle on to give him a running shot, which meant Legacy Ultron also gets a running shot. Because Legacy Ultron gets whatever powers... Uh, a character with Ultron in the name has or can use as long as they're within range and his range is like 10. Ridiculous. And then I had Mephisto who I was able to secure one who was using the ruler team up card which was pretty amazing. Honestly I won't sugarcoat it. I think it was it, it, may, it really is a key component to the team. Mephisto had the Spin Ring, which was amazing, and the Nightbringer, which also helped with stability, but I did not play Nightbringer well. I kept forgetting those two free Smoke Cloud, and that's on me. And then to round it out, I had Starro. Uh, good old 100 point Starro, he was not equipped. My sideline was full of Trouble Alerts and Troublemakers. I did not bring a single one in. Uh, I probably could have, but there weren't a lot of cases where I rolled a crit miss or a crit hit. And there weren't a lot of instances where I was making three consistent attacks. It was either Starro or Ultron, Legacy, and maybe Ultron Pym. Now, I know I could do some of the tricks where I have the Starro fights attack and they consistently miss. Because you could bring in the Troublemakers after you miss the third attack. Problem is, is that I actually struggled with keeping my Starro fights alive. Uh, they, My opponent went for them pretty regularly so i did not find myself with a lot of those at least not in a position to use them effectively my tarot deck for those wondering was knight of wands to give me plus one leadership i needed that for ultron pym to make more drones and i needed the consolation in case i needed to pop out a drone for mastermind or if i needed the 30 point drone from avengers 60th to give Legacy Ultra Mind Control and Precision Strike, which I did use t at least two to three times. Uh, I have the Two of Swords, which makes Energy Explosion deal three damage instead of two. Legacy Ultron has Energy Explosion as its only printed attack power. Seven of Cups to give me Mastermind. Choose a friendly character within six squares instead of adjacent. That one, fun, uh, funny enough, didn't really come into play. Justice was my major arcana. Uh, the thought there was I wanted a major arcana that could inhibit my opponent and not really affect me. I could usually make uh, th this card when this card is put into play. Each player chooses a friendly character. While this card is in play, the chosen character replaces their combat values 
with the 8 speed, 10 attack, 17 defense, 3 damage, and a range of 4. So typically I put that on a drone or a star fight. Didn't really help or hurt, but I think it was one of the better Arcanas to play. And then finally I did a Nine of Pentacles to allow all my sidesteppers, which practically everyone had sidestep, to move three squares instead of two. So really not a lot of tarot cards that'll hurt me. They'll help me a little bit, but not hurt me. And that's what I typically go with tarot cards. So this team up for Mephisto. If Mephisto is on the list of theme team, which is Ruler, when he would be dealt damage from an attack, so keep that in mind, when he would be dealt damage from an attack, he may instead choose another friendly character within range of line of fire. If he does, that character takes one unavoidable damage. So effectively the plan is, is that Legacy Ultron and Ultron Pym both have Mastermind. So Mephisto hangs around them, someone shoots Ultron, either of them for like 4 to 5 damage, you Mastermind that the Mephisto, and then when Mephisto he would be dealt damage from an attack, so that's after the Mastermind, you could stand and reroute that, sometimes even right back to the Legacy Ultron. Because he could reduce penetrating. It's unavoidable, but one unavoidable damage is fine since every time someone named Ultron is KO'd, Legacy Ultron heals. So it was really good. I, I'll say this. The most points anyone scored on me was 100 points, and that's because they took out Starro. They did not score many points. Legacy Ultron, I don't believe, ever died. Mephisto never died. Ultron Pym died in my last match, um, but that was by misplaying on my part. Um, Starro was really the one that was targeted because he is the one without Mastermind. Who would have thought? So let's talk about the matches. So the event, like I said, 26 players. Five rounds of Swiss cut the top eight. My first opponent, uh, I, what I will say as general going into this, I had a rough idea of some archetypes I thought that would see play in Silver Age, but with the 400 stat line, I knew it was going to be kind of a wild, wild west, and it absolutely was. I saw teams that I never thought I would see before. I saw figures that I never thought I would see. And it was honestly very exciting. Like it was really cool to see some of these pieces that maybe didn't wouldn't see play and didn't see play in modern because of limiting to 300 points. But now that we're up to 400 and you have some wiggle room, it was good. So the first team I, I went against was Nathan Mayor round one. Uh, he played the team I kind of forgot about, which was a uh, monster team with Black Lanterns. He played Venom Wolverine, uh, Martian Manhunter Black Lantern. He had the Prime Wonder Woman that also is a Black Lantern from Wonder Woman 80. Uh, Scott Porter, um, Necron, I think both Scott Porters, I think. I'm looking at his build sheet now. Uh, both Scott Porters commissioner yeah and then he just had some some items on them uh blacks uh black skull so he did have the moe switch as well and it was scary uh that was um, i ended up losing that match i believe like i don't think i took anything out did i take anything out? he had a windigo so yes i did take something out that was it the windigo 
100 points. He took out Starro, I took out Windigo, and I lost 100 to 15. Um, I misplayed. I hadn't played this practice, this team yet, which unfortunately is something I typically find myself in. And uh, I misunderstood. I should have clarified what defensive power Wendigo had. I was able to get a very clutch energy explosion off early. And I thought it would KO Wendigo. It did not because I forgot he had Involm. Every other one, you know, outside of Dark Phoenix, most of the other Colossals have just toughness. So I could have played that better. I left myself open a bit. Um... It was a learning experience for me, for sure, but his team was very scary. He was able to effectively instantly ramp up thanks to Black Lanterns and Scott Porter having Black Lantern and being able to heal because he was equipped one of the rings to heal. You know, you're able to instantly support up some of your Black Lanterns to higher point values. And it was very spooky. Uh, Martian Manhunter and uh, Wonder Woman, Prime Wonder Woman, got up to their top click and... That, plus the Wendigos, plus him having King Killmonger, it was a recipe for disaster. I also went in not knowing that Starro was as squishy as he is. Back when Starro was more popular, he was relatively hard to get through. But with so many attacks, so many damage in this format, he is quite, quite squishy. So, lessons learned off of that. I played differently going forward, um, getting only 15 points kind of stinks uh, I came close I feel like I hit Venom Wonder Woman a couple times but it was hard to want to try to take out anybody else at that point um, you know with Rookie and whatnot I think I knocked Kamish down or came close to it but the the one thing I will mention about Silver Age is that it is a lot slower I feel like rounds probably need to be extended to an hour an hour and ten because uh, effectively most games that I played only had like three rounds. You only got like three turns to, to make something happen. So on that map I did I did win map. So I don't think I went first. So I did have my location bonus to allow me reroll. And I think I got a drone. No I did not get a drone first go around. So I lost first round. Uh, next round I faced uh, James Archer. And he played a really, really neat team. His team was kind of thematic. I mean, it was. It was Avengers. But it was based around Captain America's. Effectively, he had Captain America, Prime Captain America, from um, the uh, Avengers 60th. He had the swapping Captain America at 100, but he didn't swap. He had Cap Wolf at 90 points, and then he had the Thanos Captain America, which I did not ever predict anybody would be playing that Thanos. And so his team was like all Captain America based, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, it's the, um, let's see, it's the Thanos that is from, uh, is it under Captain? Where is this Thanos? I think it's from Avengers. Is it Avengers 60th? No way. It's it's not Avengers 60th. It has to be like. Well, I don't know which set it came from. Avengers Forever? Yeah, it must be Avengers Forever. 
Um, it was interesting. Uh, so his team with Cap Wolf, he was able to move forward. He started with a bunch of wolves, and they became very threatening. He was able to very much so wear down. I think he got my Starro to stop click, and we effectively ran out of time. Um, I was able to take out, if I remember correctly, I won this round by 115 to 100. He did take out my Starro at the end. I took out his swapping Captain America, and also at the very beginning, Starro was able to mind control his Thanos to go kill one of his wolves. That was worth 15 points, and that was the game changer, because at the end, I took out his Captain America for 100 points, he took out my Starro for 100 points, and I won 115 to 100. But once again, that shows like my Starro was the squishiest piece on there. Um, I found as I played that the Ultron Legacy is very good. Like the core Ultron Legacy, Legacy Ultron, Mephisto is an amazing core. Starro provided a lot of interesting interactions, as we'll get to in, a, in the next couple of rounds. But I found myself, Legacy Ultron really needed more power, a little bit more oomph. I played it safe by having improved targeting hindering, which proved to be useful in some games, but not so great in others because I didn't have penetrating damage. I, I was on any part of my team, to be frank. My next match, uh, so going in 1-1 with very little points. I next phase Tyler Horseman. Tyler Horseman's team was non-theme. Oh, and speaking of theme, let me talk about that for a second. I forgot about this power because remember when rules changed last year, everything kind of deviated away from theme teams. They took away theme team prob. They made it just a straight three if you're themed. So everything went away from theme teams. And that really hurt... Ultron Pym, because Ultron Pym has a trait. When an opposing character that is part of a theme team uses probability control, after resolution, steal that character one unavoidable damage. So when everyone moved away from theme teams, Ultron Pym, that trait kind of became less and less great. Thanks to the Scott Porters, people have gone back to theme teams, because all their cool map-wide things usually rely on theme teams. So this trait from Ultron Pym was relevant in multiple games where I, they really had to decide, do you want to prop that? Because you will take one unavoidable if you do. It was great. It was an amazing map-wide trigger of, haha. Now, it doesn't work with the community rerolls of Scott Porter because that is not probability control specific. So there were some instances. But anyway, Tyler Horseman's team was non-theme. It was spooky. Uh, I got some lucky rolls. I did win this match. But he played a non-themed team built around buffing up the 042 Ghost Rider. The one that says you can use your power, so basically you can't be outwitted. He put Cathan on him. He had the Power Gem on him. And he used one of the Ghost Riders that gave Shape Change and Steel Energy. And then he put Wonder Woman Bracelets on Beast. He had Spider Pharaoh with the Cloak of Levitation. He had the... War of the Realm Spider-Man that just gives super, super senses to adjacent people. Giving him the symbiote 
he had to prime Captain America to make it where his team can't be all have immobile effectively. And Spider-Man, the Avenger 60th one for 70, he played him at a higher point value. That's the one that gives you team player. So his thought process going in was basically his whole team or a lot of his team winds up having his key components, I should say, wind up having Wonder Woman team ability, Spider-Man team ability, super senses that can't be outwitted, shape change, and all the other stuff. So it was incredibly difficult to go through his Ghost Rider. Like, I found it where it just wasn't happening. I wasn't going to be able to get through his Ghost Rider. I won the game 55-0 because I took out the one Spider-Man that was granting everyone team player. He, I knew he was the weakest link. Um, I had Precision Strike this go-around. Um, thanks to, I think... I think at this point I learned I need a precision strike, and so I made Ultron drones, the 30-point ones. It was a risk, because that was 30 points, but I found myself saying I need access to that on Ultron, uh, Legacy Ultron. So I was able to take out his Spider-Man, and I hit some very clutch, impervious rolls. Um, he got my Legacy Ultron down pretty low. Uh, I think I forgot healing at one point with uh, when one of my drones went down but ultimately i won um if he had another turn or two it probably would have been a different story um, but it was a constant theme through the game of just like people didn't miss right everyone is really hitting with like 14 15 attacks rarely was anyone trying to hit with a 10 or 11 i might have been the only person <laughs> Most people are hitting with like a ridiculously high stat line. This game has gotten very ridiculous with its stat lines. Um, so that put me at two and one. Uh, I knew if I lost again, if I became an 0-2, I wasn't going to make cut because I was not scoring points. Just strictly out. I was preventing points, but not scoring them. Next round was when I was two and one, I played against Brian Estes. Brian's team was neat. Um, it was a, uh, let's see how to describe it. It was, let me see. I lost the team. The team was Emperor Gladiator, uh, Phoenix Sentinel, Mr. Oz, a Cosmo, High Evolutionary, the super rare, and then a Scott Porter, and Groot. So it was a cosmic theme built around Emperor Gladiator and Phoenix Sentinel. This game is where I got a majority of my points. I did end up winning 180-0. to zero. I think the primary reason why I won is because I have played a lot of Emperor Gladiator. A lot of Emperor Gladiator. I know with Emperor Gladiator, if he takes two damage and gets down to his charge clicks... He can be very difficult to play at that point. Very difficult to play. So he moved up by one map. I kind of positioned myself well. Got Star on a position to make some long range shots. He moved his Emperor Gladiator up and he made a guard with him. I was able to target the guard with Energy Explosion to allow it to splash 
onto Gladiator because he had Shape Change, the Remaker ring. And because I had Precision Strike, because I made a drone, um, I dealt him one damage. Ever Gladiator was then able to take a shot on my Legacy Ultron. He rolled a crit miss, I believe. And basically, he was going to re-roll it. And I told him, hey, if you, if you re-roll it, you're taking one unavoidable either way. So he had to re-roll it because he was taking it anyway. And he hit at that point, but then he took damage and went down to charge. So that neutered, severely neutered um, Emperor Gladiator. I also know a big weakness of Emperor Gladiator is the fact that he doesn't like being mind-controlled. Because his whole deal is that he does not... Like, he has confidence tokens, so he can remove those to reduce penetrating damage. But he can't reduce mind control. So I was able to mind control him around, uh, taking out some figures. His Phoenix Sentinel got in there, and Cosmo shut off some Mastermind. It was a little spooky. Um, I was able to subsequently... Like, he didn't protect Cosmo afterwards. So I was able to take out his Cosmo, and then I just... Starro went to town. He targeted Starro a lot. And there was one turn where he got Starro down to a stop click. And basically, Starro's an 11 attack on a stop click. He still has mind control. Not the special one to make Starro fights, but normal mind control. So he was able to triple target mind control. He got high evolutionary Emperor Gladiator and Phoenix Sentinel in that triple target. And then he was able to retal on the high evolutionary... So effectively, he was able to triple mind control again because he has to include the high evolutionary. So that double mind control is really what set things off. It allowed me to get through the Phoenix Sentinel. I was able to take out high evolutionary afterwards, and I effectively moved his Emperor, Gla Emperor Gladiator just out of the way to, to just not be a factor. Um, it was a mind control, I think, of Phoenix Sentinel in the beginning that allowed me to take out his Groot so he couldn't really retail on me. And that kind of was it. It was probably it was by far my best performance. Uh, it was a fun game. Uh, it was the most effective experience for Starro, even though once again he was on stop click, and he was just almost almost dead. Going into round five, I was three and one. I once went against Chu Wong, and this was a game where we did not get many turns. He was returning from playing. Uh, he hadn't played in years. He was returning to honor his. Uh, past friend who, who had passed away and uh, so he played a very interesting Avengers team uh, Chase She-Hulk from War of the Rounds at full 100 points with Auk Arms Prime Spider-Man with Symbiote Thor the Shifting Focus one from War of the Realms with Bucky's Arm uh, Captain Pegasus Captain America Scarlet Witch the carrying one that can TK prob and carry people and both Scott Porters it was a team that I was really scared of, to be honest. I know the potential of Spider-Man, of most of his pieces, and I knew that I don't know. I didn't know if I had enough offensive power to counter it. We did. We only got I think three turns each, and I think what ultimately changed the game was his last turn. He was in a position to probably KO Starro. He had wrapped him up with the Spider-Man, and he effectively could have taken him out. But 
My Ultron was next to him also, and he opted to go for, I guess, more points with Legacy Ultron. And I was able to just tank the hits. I took a couple hits, I masterminded a few, and ultimately I survived. And then I think it went back to my turn and time was called. I was able to outwit his She-Hulk early on with Mephisto to stop her from really becoming a big impact. Really, it was Prime Spider-Man and all his people coming up. I took out his Scarlet Witch, who was in a bad position, and uh, that was kind of the name of the game. I believe I won 30-0. to zero. <laughs> It was close. Uh, if he had another turn, he probably would have won. But we went a little slower because I'm trying to get positioning. And, you know, coming back with that kind of complicated team... And this is what I experienced all day, was that 400 points adds a lot of complexity, a lot of moving parts, and turns take a while. So I think rounds have to be extended to compensate. You can't expect players to play faster. They could a little bit. I could have played faster. But that doesn't mean like you. there shouldn't be some back and forth. Like The round should be a little longer. Players should play a little faster. Both should happen. So that meant I went 4-1 in swiss and i ended up making top eight i was third fourth i was fourth um with a ridiculously low amount of points it's humorous if you actually look at the top eight on the game on hero clicks page on facebook everyone's got a thousand points thousand points and i've got like 395 and that's because i didn't give up points and i won the games that i needed to win so I then went into a game with Alex Ledford. Now his build sheet's not out here. They're going to update that. But I, spoiler, I lost in top eight. Alex's team was very interesting. Like very, very interesting. He was a mystical theme team uh, that utilized figures I didn't really expect to see at all. I, I guess I shouldn't say expect to see at all. Yeah, figures I didn't expect to see do so well. So obviously on his team, he had Blackheart. If you're building a mystical team, Blackheart is one of the key things. Blackheart was equipped with Cathan, which I thought was interesting, to increase his range by one. But if you think about it, Blackheart does not really take any actions when he's you know moving everybody around. He just gets to kind of poof and everyone comes with. So that was quite a bit surprising, actually. Then he played, and this one was uh, one of the shocker ones. He played Lady Roma, and he took me to the Critical Clicks map that has a lot of different elevation, and he put the 3x3 three three elevation out there. He had three of them. And so I was constantly on different elevations than him. Lady Roma says, Leadership shape change when an opposing character attacks Lady Roma or an adjacent friendly character. If they began the turn on a different elevation than Lady Roma, modify their attack, minus two, and damage, minus two. 65 points for that. She's also got Perplex. Pretty, pretty solid. To add insult to injury, he played a 125 Beast with the Defend Captain Carter shield, which gave him basically a Defend plus one, so a 20. He played Faust. Felix Faust, the one that kind of Stops you from potentially doing 
prob and outwit and whatnot. He played Brother Voodoo, the prime Brother Voodoo, which I thought was neat. His big thing is that he's hard to KO, because once you KO him, he just comes back. But he also has a thing that came into play. He has his Twisted Tokens, Twisted Wish. Brother Voodoo starts the game with three Twisted Wish Tokens. Free, remove a Twisted Wish Token. If you do choose one, deal an opposing character within range to penetrating damage, or heal any one character three clicks. So, and then he does some other things uh, that was really neat too. And then he had a Scott Porter to heal. The, the black shirt one. I was very fortunate at the beginning of the game. When he moved up, I was able to get... I had one shot, one opportunity. <laughs> I had Precision Strike thanks to an Ultron drone I had learned. And I got one shot to try to hit his 22s. Like across the board, which is ridiculous. Everyone had 22s. And um, effectively... I used Ultron, Legacy Ultron, who's a 14 attack. That went down to a 12, and I rolled a 10. I was able to hit everyone. Biggest mistake, I rolled two fives. And I did not realize I did that, and I didn't knock everyone back. That probably would have changed, completely changed the game. That it would have knocked people back and done damage. Uh, because the, he was in a corner, or uh, on a elevation. Huge mistake by me. Um, he used Scott Porter to kind of heal up some of that damage the next turn. And uh, the second big mistake I had is he was in the middle of the map. Um, I can only really do some minor ping damage. I got a little too aggressive with Ultron Pym. I went into Outwit Beast. And I did. I outwit his defensive power to try to take a shot. And not realizing that, well, he still had the shield. So I didn't outwit defend. I outwitted his special defense power. Which would which gave me which gave him defend invulnerability and super senses, but because I outweighed that power and not specifically defend, well the shield gives him de defend, so he still gives a nineteen to everybody. Super annoying. Should have played it differently. I should have outwitted his outwit power. That was a mistake on me because that outwit can be outwitted. and that would have meant my ultrons and everyone would have kept mastermind and all their powers. It was. Huge mistake on me, because Mephisto can't be outwitted. So, that was my biggest mistake. I didn't count that. I got lucky. His Scott Porter came up with the ultimate nullifier, and he chose the number two, and he rolled a one. So, Scott Porter took two damage. But, he was able to get through, because he outwitted Impervious on Ultra, Ultron Pym, and he was able to Twisted Wish, and then just shoot me with Lady Roma, and there was nothing I could do about it. So, he won 80 to 0 tight game but i think i could have won it if i did not misplay i misplayed twice forgot the knockback and i should have outwitted beasts that with but all in all to sum it up um it was an overall great tournament i think silver age 400 points you know i came in thinking maybe 400 points is too much i honestly think it's probably fine you saw a bunch of unique builds out there i think it is cool how many unique builds now we'll some rise to the top sure the person who won was andrew mashburn he won with a double black heart build the one from rise and fall you know the really good one at 75 points two of the moe chases on the field jennifer kale mephisto felix faust scott porter so that's probably like one of the best teams you could play um i still think I will roll with Ultron unless something changes. I have to figure out a good ruler to put in 
potentially Starro's spot. And uh, Starro did a lot for me, but at the same time, he was a weak link. If there was another ruler I could play that gives me some more flexibility and maybe has um, some mastermind of their unoutwittable mastermind, that would be great. Uh, that would definitely help a lot. And then I could focus on being more offensive with Ultron because I think that is something I was missing was that extra offensive power. So, and unfortunately, it has to come from Silver Age because I'm using 150 points from Legacy Ultron, 30 points from Mephisto. I do have the Motorcycle and Ultron Pym. I could probably change that um, to, like, the Goblin Glider. Goblin Glider? That's probably... Actually, that probably is what I need to do to free up points. That doesn't... That only gives me 20 points of Modern, though, which doesn't help a ton. But, you know, we'll, we'll build around it. I can't, um, I can't focus, unfortunately, on Silver Age, because guess what's around the corner, guys? Adepticon! So now I am focused on switching it back over to Modern Talk, looking at Adepticon for the next few weeks. we got a month until Adepticon. I've got to practice Modern. It is going to be a packed house, 40 entrants so far, and it is some of the biggest names in Heroclix that are going to be there. So... I'm excited about it. Um, I appreciate you guys listening to this episode, listening to me talk about Silver Age. If you haven't dabbled in Silver Age yet, I absolutely suggest you do so because I think it's pretty good. Like, I think it is. I mean, it's more than pretty good. It, it's good. So thank you again for listening. I'll be back hopefully on Wednesday to finish that Brian Davis interview. And I will see you for some Onslaught talk. Have a good day.